0: Ross Tucker Football Podcast. It is a Tuckheads Tuesday, the last Tuckheads Tuesday because next week we will switch into off-season mode, 3 shows a week as opposed to 5, presented by DraftKings. So excited to talk to my mentor in the business, Peter King, momentarily, the great writer now of the column Football Morning in America. Obviously, He's been writing a Monday morning column for a long time. You've seen him on NBC, was with Sports Illustrated, all that stuff. He's the guy that really gave me my start in the business, and I owe him a tremendous amount as a result. I owe all of you guys a tremendous amount because there's no way this show would be successful and going if you guys didn't spread the word via social media. It means a great deal. At Ross Tucker NFL NFL. At Ross Tucker Pod, if you didn't take advantage of the sponsors like LinkedIn or Keeps or One Hundred Flowers or ExpressVPN or Raycon, and then send me the emails proving that you did and asking me a question, or if you don't subscribe and comment on the YouTube page, YouTube.com/slash Ross Tucker NFL, it's big show time. The big show. All right, so I always like to have. Peter on for a bunch of different reasons. I think I have him on like once every year and a half or so. And you can follow him on social media. I think it's what, at Peter underscore King? That's the one. At Peter underscore King. He's got the most popular Monday column in pro football. What's the first year you did that? Was it like 1990, Peter?
1: 1997. Well, Ross, there needed to be an internet. I mean, the internet was invented until the mid 90s so I didn't get I didn't even have an email address until 1997 and then later that year I I started the column when the football season started you know
0: what's so funny Peter I was a freshman in 97 I didn't know what email was when I got to Princeton and they gave me (laughs) an email address and it took me a few weeks before I even ever logged in and I had like 80 some emails like from professors and stuff I I didn't know, you know, in Reading, Pennsylvania, I didn't know what email was. Um, but anyway, I mean, think about that. 25 years now, he has been doing the premier Monday morning professional football column. And what I loved about this week's episode, and I mean that we've told the story before about Peter getting me my start, but you actually proposed a solution to the problem of minority hiring of head coaches you know that's been my frustration peter is that ever since the brian flores lawsuit last tuesday i hear everybody talking about how bad it is it's bad it's bad i almost never hear solution so for people that didn't read your column can you just start with that what you think is possibly one solution to the issue
1: you know ross uh As everyone knows, this is a very complex subject, and the NFL has spent hundreds and hundreds of man and woman hours trying to figure it out. And the bottom line is, the NFL can propose any sort of guardrails that it wants, but unless the people doing the hiring, the owners and the presidents and GMs of teams are on board, then... There's never going to be a fix to this. So my idea was was kind of simple. Um, it's that every team in the NFL starting this year would have a full-time uh, coach on staff, a minority coach who every day his job would be in some ways to touch the quarterback and to touch the passing game. So in other words, let's say you were to hire um, the quarterback coach at whatever college there is, and let's say that that person is black. If he's hired by the NFL as, let's say, uh, by a team uh, as an assistant quarterback coach, he would be in there every day, be spending 12 to 14 hours every day with, you would think, the smartest people in the world who coach offensive football. So theoretically, that would be getting this coach exposed to this. And where were the vast majority of hires made until the last two? Honestly, Ross, you know, six of the first seven hires that were made until Lovey Smith and Dennis Allen, the last two hires that were made in this process, six of the first seven other than Matt Eberflus, we're all offensive people, so that's what owners are looking for these days. So, so my thought is, let's get a uh, let's get somebody starting to train in this job right now, and give that person the opportunity to get on that treadmill with all the smart coaches, so that at some point that person is going to be available to start climbing the ladder, maybe to an offensive coordinator's job, maybe first to a quarterback coach's job. But the only way that you're going to make this problem go away or have the best chance to, in my opinion, is to increase the number of qualified people in the pipeline. And right now when you only have – I think I'm right in saying, Ross – four minority coordinators, uh, and four minority quarterback coaches in the NFL, that becomes a huge problem.
0: Yeah, I mean, listen, everybody's looking for the the Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, Zach Taylor, and it makes sense, right? Those guys are having a lot of success. I mean, that's three of the four coaches in the conference championship games, and they are the ones that have been touching mm-hmm. the quarterback. Uh, and you're right, and it, I mean, It's a much longer topic, as you mentioned, but that is what people want. And there aren't a lot of guys, Byron Leftwich, Pep Hamilton, Eric Biennemi, but there aren't a lot of guys, not enough, in that pipeline. I actually think what they've done, Peter, in incentivizing teams to promote from within so that if they get hired away, like the GMs, Ryan Poles and Quezzi Adafo Mensa, that you get something back – I like the idea of incentivizing uh, putting minorities in the next spot. You know, like the 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 spot that gets them on deck to be hired for these big jobs. I don't think it's been talked about. You got Sashi Brown now is the president of the Baltimore Ravens. I, I don't know that that's been talked about a, as much as it should. I guess while we're on that subject, Peter, and I'm going to talk about this more later. I wanted to get your thoughts on the statement by Brian Flores lawyers last night after Lovey Smith got hired in Houston.
1: Well, the statement basically was that, uh, you know, this it's very clear, you know, look, lawyers advocate for their client Ross and and there's a chance and maybe even a good chance. That if their statement was that Brian Flores, it's, you know, it's clear that, you know, Brian Flores would have gotten this job, you know, if he didn't file the lawsuit, because obviously they pulled a the guy out of left field at the 11th hour. You know, Levy Smith was not even a candidate at the start of this process, but theoretically because of the pressure on all the NFL people to, uh, you know, to, to look for a minority coach uh, to fill the head coaching job, that is when I think most people think that more teams started looking for that coach. So uh, it, the lawyer's view is that, well, of course, they weren't going to hire the guy who uh, uh, who sued the league and who sued three teams. So they hired a guy on their staff who, hey, wow, Lovie Smith, he just happens to be black. You, you know, it's it's a convenient, it, it, who knows? It might be true, Ross, but it, it it's what lawyers say when they're trying to make a case.
0: Yeah, but I mean, I think Brian knows or knew, and when he did this, how highly unlikely it was that someone would hire him to be the head coach after he puts out the Private text messages from Belichick, you know, accuses the owner, Stephen Ross, of what he did. I mean, right. I think he's smart enough to know I'm I'm not getting one of these jobs,
1: right? Yeah, I would think it's certainly what I would be thinking. I, on the other hand, uh, if I were Nick Casario, unless uh, I was under strict orders from my boss to not hire uh, Brian Flores, I would have thought very seriously about hiring Brian Flores for a very simple reason. Two reasons in Houston. Number one, maybe Flores can go in there and have a quiet, private, two-hour conversation with Deshaun Watson and say, hey, listen, let's rethink everything that's happened here in the last, you know, eight months, 10 months, whatever it is. And let's, let's try to bridge the gap here. Um, let's try to figure out a way to, for you to get out of your situation and to make amends here in Houston, and let's try to make it work. Because it was Flores who wanted him so badly in Miami. Watson knows that. So that's one thing. But let's say even if that doesn't work, can you imagine, first of all, last year the Houston Texans were an expansion team. Can you imagine this year in free agency with a little bit of money to spend, how many good players would want to go play for Brian Flores? Man, Brian Flores, he's the man. He stood up to the man. Uh, and so I don't know what disadvantage there would be in hiring Brian Flores. Really, I, I, you know, the way I look at it, I think it would be a tremendous advantage. But, hey, Whatever.
0: Wow, that's really, I hadn't thought about that part of it. That's interesting, Peter, really interesting. Um, what do you think about the tanking part of this and the Stephen Ross suggesting $100,000 per loss? What are you hearing? What are you thinking about that part of it? Because that's obviously the the new part.
1: Well, I'd say three quick points here. Number one, if that is proven Or if that is, remember when uh, when the NFL ended top eighty for four games because they their two hundred and forty three page document, their long report said it was more likely than not that he participated in this scheme to deflate footballs. Okay, so nobody they never proved that that was the case. They didn't Brady because of it. So what happens if it's Brian Flores plus uh, either a direct witness or a witness that Brian Flores walked right out of the meeting and walked in and just said, you're not going to believe this. The owner just offered me hundred grand a game to tank so that we could have the first pick in the draft. Um, so, you know, e- even if there is significant doubt I don't think uh, Steve Ross should own the team anymore. Um, and, and if it's proven, clearly he'll have the team taken away from. Him. That's number one. Number two, I think people need to understand this thing about tanking as it related to the 2019 football season. Understand something. The Dolphins could tank all they wanted, okay? But the Bengals truly stunk that year. And the Bengals ended up being two and fourteen, Ross, and their strength of schedule was much better than Miami's that season. So, in order to get the first pick in the draft, the Miami Dolphins would have had to go one and fifteen. Now, I'm not saying that's impossible. Um, they could have put the janitor in at wide receiver. I, you know, so so it clearly it's possible. But with talented players and a good coaching staff, you've really got to try to go 1-15. At least that's the way I look at it. So, so the Dolphins, it was going to be next to impossible for them to be worse than the Bengals, who started 0-11. So, so let's take that. But if you're going to do something about, uh, uh, you know, about tanking, then you're going to have to have a lottery system for the draft. I'm not convinced that you have to do that. And I think the worst thing that could happen is if a team uh, has a terrible year and has a huge needed quarterback. Let's say your lottery is uh, pick a number, the worst 10 teams in football, and then you go pick a name out of a hat to see who picks one through 10. You know, the problem with that is there's a good chance that the 10th worst team, if that team won it, would already have a quarterback in, let's say, a Joe Burrow year, or would already wouldn't need nearly as much as the other teams would. But again, I think you gotta be open to anything, Ross, about trying to make sure that people don't tank.
0: You mentioned Joe Burrow. Let's talk Super Bowl, Peter. What 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 interests you the most about this Super Bowl? What what's the what's the most intriguing thing about the game, about the players, coaches? What are you really kind of
1: interested in? Where the whether the Bengals line can hold up. That's it. If the Bengals line can hold up against uh against a really, really good front, and I don't just mean uh Aaron Donald and Von Miller. I mean Gaines and Sebastian Day if he plays, and I hear that there's a good chance he will play. But they've got a deep, very good defensive front. If the Bengals can handle the front, if they limit the pressure on Burrow, if Burrow's able to get the ball out quickly uh, and do a lot of intermediate stuff with his wide receivers, maybe he doesn't worry that much about going downfield. If he can just move the chains in this game, I like the Bengals. But there is a possibility, Ross, that that front could can, uh, can really make a mockery of this game.
0: Well, there's no question about it that that's a distinct possibility. You started your career covering the Bengals, if I'm not mistaken, in Cincinnati. What would it mean to those people, Peter, if they were able to get to get this and finally win a Super Bowl?
1: Yeah, it's amazing. I started my, did start my career there in 1980, started my NFL Beat writing career there in '84 in Boomer Osiasen's rookie year, uh, Sam Weich's first year coaching Anthony Munoz Collinsworth. I mean, it was it was a really really fun thing to cover. But I, I really thought because last Tuesday I rode to work with uh, Zach Taylor, wrote about it in in my column this week, and I also uh, did a bunch of other stuff around Cincinnati that city is out of control a lot more, significantly more hyped for this team than it was for uh, the two teams in the 80s that made the Super Bowl. I just think part of it is the fact that people are just nuttier for football these days. But the other part, in my opinion, is that this team has a chance to be good for a long time. Ross, this team this year went 6-0 against Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and Kansas City. That is amazing. Those are probably, other than New England, the three standard bearers in the AFC over the last decade. And the Bengals just shredded them this year. So, you know, it's you've got to be really careful right now in just looking at the Bengals like some novelty act. They're not... They're going to get better, and they are going to get better on the offensive line, which they need to do. So I'm, I'm intrigued by this franchise right now.
0: Check him out on social media, at Peter underscore King. Does a terrific job. Obviously, the Football Morning in America column is must read. It's uh, a treasure trove of information every Monday. Peter, thank you for coming on the show, and thank you for everything as always.
1: Hey, Ross, great being on with you. Hang in.
0: There he is, Peter King. Speaking of hanging in, that was perfect segue right there by Peter. Because one of the things I love about my Raycon wireless earbuds, they stay in my ears. I mean, I'll be on a plane and the guy next to me, his earbuds will fall out. Or uh, other people I notice that have other types of, um, you know, earbuds, they fall out, not Raycon. They're little too. They don't stick way out of your ear as well. They've got the optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit. These earbuds are so comfortable, they will not budge. That's the key. Why do you want earbuds that are falling out all the time? I mean, there's a reason why Raycon has over 48,000 five-star reviews. That's insane. Right now, my listeners can get 15% off their Raycon order at buyraycon.com. .com slash Tucker. That's buyraycon.com slash Tucker to save 15% on Raycons. Buyraycon.com slash Tucker. Tuck's Takes.
2: Morning, Ross. Uh, let's start with the Texans hiring Lovie Smith as their new head coach.
0: Well, I, it's hard to not think, Bry, that... The reason why they did this is because of the Brian Flores lawsuit. I mean, they had three finalists, Jonathan Gannon, Josh McCowns, Brian Flores, the lawsuit, well, the lawsuit comes out. Jonathan Gannon is informed. It's not going to be him. Looks like it's going to be McCown or Flores. I actually personally believe the Flores lawsuit uh, ruined both those guys' chances. Number one, I didn't think, and Peter and I talked about this, I don't think that the Texans or any team would hire Brian Flores right now as their head coach with the lawsuit going on. And number two, I think that the Texans also realized it would be problematic given the climate right now, given the lawsuit, to hire a guy like Josh McCown who is white and has no experience at the college or NFL levels. So I think that that steered them to Lovey Smith. I probably would have said, let's reopen things, interview other guys, other candidates, right? Eric Bienemy and Todd Bowles and whoever else. I don't care. You know, Vic Fangio, I don't care. Interview other people and sort of start over. It seems like the Texans didn't want to start over. It seems like the Texans still want to hire Josh McCown at some point. My guess, and it's only a guess... Is that he will end up being on Lovey Smith's staff, and that Lovey Smith will probably be the head coach for a year, maybe two, and then it'll be Josh McCown because it seems like that's who they really want to hire at this point. Lovey Smith getting a fourth opportunity as a head coach when the last two didn't go all that well is interesting. You know, I think they're having a press conference right now. I mean, I don't know how you how they can argue that or act like this is the guy they wanted all along. Right. I mean, the first interview with an in-house candidate is Sunday, February 6th. Give me a break. I mean, this is sort of a scramble mode for the Texans, but this is also sort of their MO that they just are not a well-run organization right now. Still.
1: Any
2: other thoughts on the statement by Brian Flores' lawyer to regarding that Lovey Smith hired by the Texans?
0: Yeah, I do. You know, I talked about this last week. I know Brian. He was a scout for the Patriots when I was there. I like him. And as I said last week, I have a tremendous amount of respect for anyone that is willing to sacrifice their career, which is what he's potentially doing, for something bigger, for a cause that's near and dear to their hearts. Tremendous amount of respect for Brian doing that, for something that's that important to them. That said, I think it's strange for him to say that last week and say, this is bigger than me, this is bigger than my coaching career, and he knows he might be sacrificing his coaching career. And then Lovey Smith gets the job, and his lawyers immediately put out a statement complaining about it? Yeah, I, I mean, look, maybe it's just a legal thing, Maybe this is setting the stage for a retaliation lawsuit that I don't know about. Maybe this is legal wrangling. But if his priority was getting another head coaching job, I guess I don't understand why he didn't wait till after the hiring cycle to file the lawsuit, get the Texans head coaching job, and then file the lawsuit. If the priority is really the cause of opportunities for black head coaches, which is a good one, by the way, it just seemed a little disingenuous to put out that statement that he did when another blackhead coach gets the opportunity. Makes it seem like it's about him, right? As opposed to not really about the cause. It's more about him and getting let go by Miami and not getting this opportunity. I, I, uh, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I'm sure Brian signed off on it, but I thought it was strange that they issued that statement. Duck
2: takes. The final head coaching slot that had been available is now Phil. New Orleans hires longtime defensive coordinator Dennis Allen.
0: Makes sense. It kind of always felt like Dennis Allen was being groomed for another opportunity. Kind of always felt like there was a decent chance that opportunity would be in New Orleans when Sean Payton left. And the guy shut out Tom Brady last year, nine, nothing extremely impressive. I think he's done a good job. And, He was part of a really dysfunctional Raiders regime when he was there. I don't know that he really got a fair deal. Um, And I'm excited for him. I'm excited for him to get a second shot in New Orleans. Obviously, the ownership there and Mickey Loomis, they have a lot of familiarity with Dennis and the ability to go ahead and and give him this opportunity that I think he's earned. Tuck takes.
2: And finally, get a big hire for the Packers. They get former Raiders interim head coach Rich Bisaccia as special teams coordinator.
0: Huge. Everybody loves Rich Bisaccia. I thought the Raiders should stay with him for a year. They elected not to. And obviously, the special teams in Green Bay were a travesty. Good landing spot for Bisaccia. Goes to a good organization that has a chance to win a Super Bowl. And special teams can only get better because they were unbelievably bad. Speaking of that, some of you guys give your significant others unbelievably bad Valentine's Day gifts. Like, what are you doing? It's really, really easy. Just go to myfrontpagestory.com. I wrote three more yesterday afternoon. I am on fire writing love stories about women other than my wife. I'm telling you guys, go ahead and order MyFrontPageStory.com. Maybe it'll be me writing the story for you for Valentine's Day. Let's get you an email, Bri. Ever wanted to ask an NFL player a question? Well, here's your chance. It's time to ask Ross. The email address is Ross at rostucker.com. Absolutely love reading and responding to any of your emails, especially when it means... You guys took advantage of some of our sponsors, which is what we need.
2: Next question comes from Matt. Hey, Ross, what is up with Cadence signal calling? What does it all mean? It just seems like sometimes they are just shouting out a bunch of nonsense. When I was in Pee Wee football, it was pretty simple. Down set hut.
0: Right, and he said, you know, 33 dive on three, ha. Huh? And then he asked, what goes on in the huddle? Are you guys joking around? Not a whole lot of joking around, Matt, in the huddle. You don't really have time unless it's a TV timeout. So during a TV timeout, then you can absolutely be joking around or talking about the guy. Sometimes you're even asking the guy what he's going to do after the game with his wife. I mean, those TV timeouts are long, you know. Sometimes you're talking about the game, but sometimes you're talking about other stuff. As for the, uh, the cadence, it really varies – You know, uh, it's like a whole other language, man. It, It would be hard to try to answer that. I guess what I would tell you is sometimes the cadence means a lot. And sometimes you're listening to the colors. Sometimes you're listening to the numbers. They might tell you something. They might change the protection. They might tell you different things. Sometimes it is just kind of nonsense. In terms of the actual cadence. Now I will say. if you ever hear him say Omaha? That usually tells everybody. Hey we got to hurry up. It's Omaha Blue Goat. And you're snapping it right after that. After he says Omaha. The very next thing is the snap. So sometimes what the quarterback says. Is actually telling you what the snap count is. If you ever hear him say. Monday. It's usually on one. If you hear him say Tuesday. It's reminding the guys it's on two. Sunday. Means it's a quick count. It's first sound. Thut! Like that. Uh, but then there's like, when you're in no huddle sometimes, sometimes the cadence is the play. So you'll be in no huddle and he'll say, you know, red 28, red 28. And that tells you exactly what the play is. So that I, I could honestly, and by the way, I forget a lot of it. I mean, it's been a while. But I could do a whole, maybe I'll get Orlovsky on or Brady Quinn but I could do a whole episode sometime on just the cadence and the times that the cadence does matter versus times it doesn't, believe it or not. Shout outs, by the way, Pizza Boy Brewing, Sportaculture, Vision Comics with an X, HumanHeadNYC.com, Sports.com. Tomorrow, he's back. Little reunion with m Dub. Matt Williamson to break down the Super Bowl. Might ask him a Steelers question or two. He's pretty plugged in. Who's going to be their next quarterback? But M-Dub tomorrow with a little old-school Super Bowl preview. We, of course, will do all of our bets for the Even Money podcast a little bit earlier today than we normally do. Other than that, I think we're done here. Thanks for listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast.